Right, everyone, we're going to give everyone a few more minutes to come and join. Um, if any of the Silks members can hear me, let me know who, uh, just request to speak and I'll give you permissions.
Right, let's get started. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Fat Cats Cafe. My name is Dylan Shubb, and uh, today we are joined by a rather happy project because uh, everyone loves horses. And, um, you know, just a little anecdote, uh, when I used to spend time in Second Life, so I had friends who were literally full-time horse breeders, and they were just so happy about it, right? It's like all the people used to play Farmville. It's just such a happy thing. So I'm excited to uh, Bryn and our, our guests from Silks, welcome. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Excited to be here and to speak to your community. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so before we get into kind of the whole project, um, how, like what's your experience uh, with horses? I, I know that the team, uh, having spoken to you, have quite a lot of experience in real life with horses. So can you tell us a bit about that? Um, I can. Uh, I can tell you that uh, um, I've immersed myself over the last year in the industry, but I don't come out of the industry. I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. This is my fifth uh, startup. Uh, I had a big company in Web 1 and Web 2, uh, and this is my second Web 3 company um, in five years. So um, I'm more on the tech side and on the entrepreneurial side than I am on the horse side. But my uh, my lead investor and partner, Troy Levy, runs a company called Tropical Racing. Uh, they're a public company uh, in, based in Kentucky, uh, in uh, Versailles, Kentucky. Um, and uh, they, oh, they operate a 200-acre um, thoroughbred racing horse ranch that I think has up to, uh, I think, 80 horses now. Uh, they do breeding, uh, racing, training, syndicating, the whole nine yards. So that's... that's uh, that's where we get all of our industry expertise. Fantastic, fantastic. Also, before I forget everyone, we will of course you know, be getting out some whitelist spots and some catnip near the end, so please stick around for that. Um, so, you know, Dan, what was, you know, kind of there's a lot of big buzzwords floating around in, in Web3, right? Metaverse and so on. What, what kind of drew you to the idea of putting together a, 
a host-specific metaverse platform and um, kind of just take us through the roadmap and the core offering so that everyone can kind of be on the same page. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so what I'll do is I'll start with the core offering and then I'll answer the question around how we got there. Um, we're building uh, something very unique that's never been done before. We're building uh, what we refer to as a derivative metaverse, um, a metaverse that essentially um, is a replica or mirror of the real world in a specific vertical. And our vertical is thoroughbred horse racing and specifically uh, thoroughbred horse racing in the United States to start with. But our intention is to go global with it after we've developed the first iteration. Um, the way our um, our platform works is we replicate the real world economy of thoroughbred horse racing and port it online in a gamified economy um, to recreate the same essence of horse racing ownership. So if we do our job, when you buy a horse in our metaverse, it will have the same economic outcome as if you owned that horse in the real world, and it will create the same emotional connection with you and your horse, even though it's digital. And the way we do that is, as I mentioned, replicating the economy. So the thoroughbred horse racing economy starts in the U.S. with 20,000 foals, baby horses that are born each year and registered to become thoroughbred racehorses. So to become a thoroughbred, you have to come from a lineage that traces back to the, the original thoroughbred horse um, from hundreds of years ago. And once you can establish that link, you can register your horse with the Jockey Club, which is the national registrar in the United States, to race your horse. That's done when your horse is born. And there are 20,000 of them that are born every year. Those 20,000 horses are sold, and the most popular auction is the yearling auction. When they're one year old, uh, they're sold at auction. And the aggregate number of horses that are sold, or value of the horses, is around a billion dollars. So a billion dollars worth of these horses are sold each year in the real world. Once you buy a horse at one year old, um, that horse can't race till they're two years old. So legally, they have to be two years old to race. You have to house, feed, care for, and train that horse during that period and beyond. To do that costs about forty to $50,000 a year. So you've bought this horse. Presumably, the average horse sells for just under $100,000, although you can buy horses for millions of dollars. Um, and then you have to pay to maintain it. And then when they reach two years old, you can start racing your horse. And when your horse is of age to race, there are 30,000 races a year in the United States. And those races attract over 50 million people that bet over $11 billion on the races. And the racetracks take about 10% of, of the wagers of the handle and redistribute it to the owners of the winning horses as prize money. So when you vying for um, for the million dollar your share of the million dollars of prize money you're also vying for the uh, the mil the bill I'm sorry the billion dollars of prize money and you're also vying for the billion dollars in uh, in, in breeding because those horses that were sold for over a billion dollars came from somewhere they came from existing horses that is the economy that we're seeking to replicate and the way we're doing that is we are um, uh, creating derivative assets of every horse that's born when they're born. So every year we will take every horse born and registered in the United States to race and tokenize them into NFTs and sell them in a blind drop 
to our community, to the public. When you own one of these NFTs, you essentially own a derivative asset of a real horse, meaning it's like owning uh, an index option in the S&P 500s or in the Dow Jones Industrial or owning a quarterback in a fantasy football league. The productivity of the underlying asset dictates what the derivative asset is worth or its productivity. And so you'll be able to track your horse's bloodline when they train, how they do, when they race, what their siblings are doing, uh, every time they earn and win in a race, every time they breed, what happens to their offspring, any news about your horse, their schedule of races, everything related to your horse um, is attached to your NFT. And it's a dynamic NFT that constantly accumulates this information. When your horse wins a race in the real world, you receive an equivalent of the real-world prize purse in the form of a token that's backed by the Dow Treasury uh, in our economy. And the promise is that within about a six- to seven-year period, our economy will reach parity with the real-world horse racing economy so that when your horse wins a million dollars in a race, you win a million dollars in the metaverse. When your horse breeds Let's say you have a championship horse and it breeds 200,000 <clears> horses a year that are then sold through our metaverse because eventually every horse that is born is, and, and scheduled to, and, and, and uh, registered to race is going to be tokenized. You receive a breeding fee every time one of those horses, that's the offspring of your horse, is born, similar to the way you would do that in the real world. That's what we're building. And you'll be able to build farms, you'll be able to build estates, you'll be able to visit every racetrack in the United States, and you'll be able to literally walk into the stands and watch your horse race in real time, because we will be simulcasting every race in real time with our NFTs. And those NFTs will be dressed in the silks of your, uh, of your stables. Um, the jockey will be wearing the silks of your stables. Um, you'll be able to enter the winner's circle uh, when your horse wins a race, um, there are so many different things that you'll be able to do within the metaverse that will be essentially a replication and recreation of what happens in the real world. Amazing. Okay, so a lot to unpack over there. Let's start with kind of the economic side before we get into the metaverse side. So um, how how do you expect kind of this this economy to to play out? Right, because you mentioned reaching parity in in quite a short period of time. Um, you know, do you, will the Dow Treasury kind of be filled up from every season's sales um, and the royalties? And that kind of you feel will pay out less than is required from the kind of the total prize pool. Like what, how, how do you expect the kind of the prize pool to keep growing? Um, that's a great question. So um, the way our economy works is it's going to be a fully uh, a full Dow. Um, the every single sale of every asset um, on our platform, 100% um, of the proceeds will go to the Dow. So when we mint horses, 100% of those proceeds go into the Dow. When we sell land, when we sell estates, when we sell stables, when we, and whatever we sell is being sold by the Dow and goes into the Dow. The Dow will grow indefinitely, so in perpetuity. And the only time money comes out of the Dow is to pay for the development of the plat and maintenance of the platform and to make a market in the underlying tokens if necessary. There are two fungible tokens. Those tokens are 
STT, which is a transactional token, and SLK, which is a governance token. Both tokens are non-inflationary, meaning they have fixed quantities, and we will never exceed those fixed quantities. When, you, when your horse wins a race in the real world, you receive an allocation of STT, our transactional token, as a reward for winning that race. And the value of that, uh, um, the quantity of that token that's distributed to you is being determined by an algorithm that determines what, you would, what the real rate horse would have won in the real world. And a portion of the, of the, um, of the total tokens available equal to that, uh, that, that, uh, that portion that you would have won in the real world. The value of that token over time will grow because it will be tied to the value of what's in the DAO. Uh, and we project that six to seven years, we could reach parity with the real world. The utility of that token is twofold. You can use that token in the game to buy or all of our assets. So you can use it to buy horses, land, stables, etc. You can also use it to bet in the metaverse. So you can walk into any track and you can actually bet like you would in the real world um, on the races if you so choose to. Um, so there's in-game utility. And if you don't want to use the token that way, you can convert the token into a governance token, the SLK token. And the SLK token, because it's a fixed quantity, is equal in value. We believe the value will be equal to at least the liquidation value of the DAO. So if the DAO has a million dollars in it, and there's a finite quantity of a million SLK tokens, then each token would be worth theoretically a dollar. As the value of the DAO grows um, with revenue that comes in from the sale of our assets and from the royalties from our assets, so will the value of the SLK token. And by, um, and by relationship, the value of the STT token as well. And that's how the economy will grow. And, um, and all of your assets, I'm assuming, will be priced in these tokens as opposed to maybe in Ethereum, right? So the, 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 the DAO treasury will be primarily holding your, your tokens? Mm. Actually, the DAO will be holding whatever token we're using to transact a, in the original drops, and we'll be holding our token as well. So, for example, our avatar drop, the Silks avatar drop, which is taking place at the end of this month on April 27th, um, the proceeds, uh, that will be an Ethereum drop. It'll be done on the Ethereum blockchain. You have to use ETH to buy it. Um, and, uh, and, and all of those proceeds will go to the DAO. Um, however, if you transact on our platform, you'll be transacting uh, with the DAO in our token. And in the future drops, you'll be able to use our token uh, as well to participate in those drops. So it'll be, it'll be supported by multiple tokens. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, before we take a kind of a bit more of a deep dive into the day-to-day -day life of, of stables in, in, in Silks, um, what is this kind of particular drop that you're doing now, this Genesis drop? Sure. So um, we're producing a collection of 10,000 three-dimensional um, avatars. They're fully functional. They'll be animated. They'll be uh, interoperable. And they represent your identity in the metaverse. Um, similar to the way real silks represent your identity in the horse racing world. So when you race a horse um, uh, in public in a race in the real world, your jockey has to wear a uniform 
that represents your essentially your coat of arms or your logo so that when the public is watching your horse racing, they know who actually owns that horse. So silks represent identity and they represent ownership. And in our metaverse, you need a silk, you need an identity, and that silk represents your identity across every asset that you own in the metaverse. So your horse, when you visit your horse, your horse will be wearing, will be dressed in your silks. When your horse is racing in the metaverse, the jockey will be wearing your silks. When you own a farm in the metaverse, there will be a flag on the farm that will identify the farm as yours because it'll be your silks. So you have to own an avatar in order to be able to purchase a horse uh, in, a, uh, in a primary drop. Uh, if you don't own an avatar, you can still buy a horse in the secondary market. You can still buy land and stables and all kinds of other assets. Um, but you can't, your horse is unable, is not qualified to earn unless you own a silk. Um, so it's a very important asset to buy if you want to be part of the community. It's the foundational asset of the community. And our first crop of yearlings that will drop sometime at the end of the summer will only be sold to people that own a silk. So it effectively acts as a mint pass for the genesis drop of our yearling crop this year. Now, it sounds like every season, uh, you know, as new babies are born, people are going to be able to buy them too. And so you'll be growing your ecosystem. Do you not think that a, a limited supply of silk avatars uh, will be a hindrance over the years as you kind of get mass adoption? Um, that's a really good observation. So let me be clear. The first drop of avatars is going to be the Genesis drop, and it'll be limited to 10,000. Each year, we will create a new collection that will look different than the original Genesis drop, and we will introduce an opportunity for new people to buy an identity in the metaverse and participate in the original, uh, in the new drop. So each year, we will introduce another collection and invite another group of um, of community into our world through this drop. Um, so there will only be one Genesis collection, but we expect to drop um, a similar collection of avatars each year um, that will have different functionality and different rights, but serve the same primary utility of representing your identity and ownership in the metaverse. Fantastic. And um, the, the people who get the Genesis profile picture collection, do they have kind of some, some claim on the, on the future coins? I mean, especially the governance token, I'm sure a lot of them would be interested in. Um, so, uh, so let me be clear. This isn't a PFP. This is a fully animated uh, icon. So you'll literally be able to walk around the metaverse with your avatar. Um, and that is what you're going to look like. It will represent your identity. But yes, um, in the Genesis collection, there will be a, we're not quantifying what it is, but I can tell you, like any major blue chip project, um, if you get in in, in the uh, Genesis drop, uh, there's all kinds of surprises that come with it. Uh, I was in early, uh, I was in the original drop of uh, of the artifact Clonex. I probably received three or four airdrops of incredibly valuable things, um, and we intend to do very similar things. So when you're you become a pioneer in this project, when you own one of these avatars, you become one of the you know original community members, and we intend to reward. Um, those people in many different ways. Fantastic. Um, okay, so let's take a bit more of a 
walk around now that we've got our, our physical being that can get into the, into the metaverse. Let's talk about what platform you're building, what engine are you building uh, Silks on? Okay, so uh, we're building Silks on the Unity game engine. Um, so it's going to have kind of functionality that looks and feels like best of breed metaverses. Um, it'll have higher fidelity than the, than the metaverses that you see right now. You can actually, um, if you look at our trailer at silks.io, um, the sequence, uh, the racing sequence and the, and the pull away as the camera draws away from the racetrack at the end of the trailer uh, is our actual metaverse. So you can see what it looks and feels like. Um, you'll be able to, so just to give you a very high level of what you'll be able to do, you'll be able to buy horses trade horses when you buy a horse it will appear in a community stable when you visit that horse you'll be able to interact with it it will know you're the owner of the horse um, you can move that horse to a private stable you can develop your own stable in order to do that you have to buy land when you accumulate a sufficient amount of land you can buy a structure you can put your horse in the stable you can uh, stake your horse in somebody else's stable and what that means is you pool your assets with all the other horses in that stable and essentially share in the winnings, in the risk and in the reward together. You can, once you buy a horse, you can syndicate your horse and fractionalize the ownership of your horse by inviting your friends to own the horse with you or by selling pieces of the horse um, to the public in the public markets. Um, so there are lots of ways to diversify your risk and what's a high risk game. You know, owning a horse is high risk. You don't know if your horse will ever uh, train well enough to race, race well enough to win, and win enough to be a desirable breeding candidate. So we allow you the opportunity to create um, micro-communities in which you develop shared rooting interests around collective ownership of these assets. And that's a big part of the game, and it's a big part of creating um, high levels of social engagement. Um, you'll be able to, for example, on your farms build estates and trick them out into these beautiful you know mansions and palaces where you know you can have meetups with your partners and your horses or with your community in your um, pooled stables and do all kinds of really cool things together um, you'll be able to um, uh, to go to the races and literally port uh, if you have let's say you have a let's say that you're part of a of a hundred acre hundred horse farm where there are a hundred people that collectively um, own the financial outcome uh, or productivity of these horses. And let's say that on a given Sunday, you have 10 horses that are racing. One horse is racing in Belmont in New York. One horse is racing in Keeneland in Kentucky. And one horse is racing in Del Mar in California. You'll literally be able to go live as a group and watch each of these horses that you own together race in each one of these actual tracks in real time, which is another great way to kind of create social connectivity. Um, you'll be able to have watch parties uh, if you want to, to watch the video, the live video feeds of these races in your estate together with your friends and your co-owners. So a lot of social um, connectivity uh, involved in this metaverse. Awesome. Now let's do a kind of a two of the technical things. So technical number one, I mean, fractionalizing and co-owning together can be a little bit difficult. Um, firstly, kind of what, you know, will this all be a side chain or how will you keep kind of gas fees low and all of that? And secondly, um, how do you do this fractionized ownership where people can actually still use 
use the horse, right? Because they need to be able to race with it and do what they need to do while also setting up, as you will, a co-op or a DAO situation where they share it together. Yep. So uh, I can tell you preliminarily how we framed out um, the technical structure of shared ownership, um, but that is a work in progress. But I'll give you a high-level um, solution, which is uh, each horse could be represented by 10 tokens, uh, one governance token and nine limited partnership tokens. The person that owns and holds the governance token controls the horse, and the other tokens each receive their pro rata financial interest in the rewards generated from the racing and the breeding of the horse. So you can become a partner, but not an active partner um, in the horse. You don't have control of the horse, but you do have control over a share of the productivity of the horse. Um, that is kind of the way we're thinking about it right now. Um, there have been conversations internally around essentially creating DAOs where uh, each horse can become a DAO, each farm can become a DAO, and you can create layers and layers of, of collaborative and cooperative ownership of these assets, which would be pretty fascinating. Yeah, and, and probably necessary over time, right? As this ecosystem grows, some of the, the earlier breeds or the, the prize breeds may be worth an absolute fortune, uh, yeah. as we've seen with board apes and things. Um, yeah. Okay, just on a metaverse technical issue. So, you know, they are, they are going to be, you, you've got your representative avatar, you've got these estates, right? You've got uh, private estates as well, potentially you've also got the racetracks. Um, how, do you, how do you mimic the real world uh, in terms of, uh, you know, let's take a couple of examples. So number one, the, the actual horse race, right? Are the, are the avatar versions or the kind of the horse, the, the Web3 versions of these horses going to uh, be, be racing while the real race is going on and you'll have an algorithm that makes sure one of them wins physically um, as one question. And another question is um, when it comes to breeding, right? Babies being born. Will, the, will, the, will, will people have to actually connect those two horses together to then go through a process of, of, of giving birth to another horse? Uh, great question. So I'll answer the first one and I think this will be a real revelation. Think of a racetrack, okay? Let's just, let's take a racetrack. I'm in Florida right now, so Gulfstream is, a, is an iconic racetrack in Florida, okay? When we build out Gulfstream's track in the Silks metaverse, that will be their track, right? It's their land. They have to buy the land and then will help facilitate them building out the track. When you go to their track, and you visit their track in the metaverse, you are in their domain. It's as if you were on their website. You are in their domain and they control that domain. We work out with every racetrack what they can offer and how to create an experience that mimics the experience of visiting the real racetrack. So when you walk into, let's say, Gulfstream, you'll be able to walk up to the betting window, just like you would if you were at their track, and bet on any race that they offer uh, wagering for. You'll be able to walk into the stands and sit down and watch the races as they're going on in the real world. Now, how do we do that? The racetracks will feed their properties in the metaverse real-time data that will animate the horses simultaneously or simulcast, simulcast the races in the same way they're happening in real time. Now, this technology already exists. When you go to 
uh, a website or to a casino. Um, many times they're not showing the actual live race, but they're showing the circular um, uh, racetrack um, as a drawing, and then they're showing little dots moving in real time representing the horses. What we will be doing is actually moving the NFTs in real time in an animated way that looks as if they're racing and following the actual time that's being fed in real time by the tracks. So when you watch, when you're sitting in the virtual stands watching the racetrack, you're watching those horses moving in the same sequence they're moving in real life. And you'll be able to see that on our trailer. The last 30 seconds of the trailer shows you what that animation is going to look like. The second question you asked was about um, the breeding. Now, the way that works is really quite logical. In the real world, let's say that you buy a horse in the um, Genesis drop in August. Okay, that horse is going to be one year old. In a year from then, it will probably start racing. And if it's a really good horse, it will retire in a year after that or maybe a year and a half after that. It will then start breeding. And if it's a stallion, it will breed on average 200 horses a year. So by year four, it already has given birth to 200 horses. And in year five, those 200 horses will become yearlings that will then be sold on our platform in an NFT drop. When we drop those NFTs in year five, the blockchain will look to the wallet of the mare and the wallet of the stallion that gave birth to that foal, to that horse, and will take a percentage of the sale and distribute it to those wallets. And that will happen with every sale. And eventually, right, eventually 100% of the horses that are dropped as yearlings on our platform in the metaverse will have wallets associated with those horses that exist in our community because they have to. And that will take, you know, maybe 10 or 12 years to happen. Awesome. And... Um... A lot to unpack there. So if, 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 um, what if these, let's, let's do chicken and the egg questions, right? In year one, you know, everyone's very impatient in NFT land and waiting a year for your horses to be able to race. You know, how do we get these first races started? And also the same question really goes for the stadiums. No doubt, you know, this, this is a very novel idea that will take a bit of time to pitch to uh, a number of big stadiums. Will you have a few anchor partners coming on early? If, I'm sure you probably can't tell me who yet, but do you have a few kind of flagship partners that have bought into this idea and will be setting up stadiums immediately? Okay, so let's unpack the two questions. You asked me about um, the racetracks and partners, and you asked me about how are we going to deal with the year in the first year between the yearling drop and when they actually start racing. So I'm going to, I'm going to answer them backwards in the order, um, in the opposite order you asked me. So as it relates to the racetracks, um, <clears throat> we've been in stealth mode for uh, about a year, um, developing the concept, talking to the industry. And I can tell you that the industry is beyond excited about what we're doing. We are, every company uh, in the world today needs a web three strategy. And if they don't have one, they're in trouble. You know, I grew up, uh, my first startup was a Web One company. I was in the middle of uh, of Web One when it came out, uh, and there. Uh, and if you didn't have a strategy for the internet in 1996, 97, 98, you were left behind. 
Same thing with Web3. Web3 is going to change our world in a way that's probably 10 times bigger than the internet ever did. And the internet was probably the most significant invention of my lifetime in terms of its impact on society. So every company right now is looking at the metaverse and looking at Web3 and trying to figure out how do we approach this? Now we've developed a way to approach it for an industry and the industry is extremely excited about it. We are driving, I didn't even explain this to you, but we are driving 100% of the revenue from betting to the tracks, right? So the tracks are literally buying land, building their tracks, and they're capturing their revenue directly. We're not taking that revenue. We take a small, the Dow will take a marketing, affiliate marketing fee for every dollar bet, um, but we're not getting into the gambling business. That's all handled and licensed by the tracks. So we're driving the, the business to them. We're bringing an entirely new generation of enthusiasts to the industry that's historically been losing the youth. And we're bringing people to the racetracks again. The racetracks are empty today because people bet online. They don't go to the tracks. We're now going to be able to bring people virtually to the tracks because it's so convenient to do. So all of these benefits are very compelling and we'll draw, we're building the economy in a way that will embrace, that will allow the industry to embrace this because our incentives are aligned. The community's incentives, the Dow's incentives, and the racetrack's incentives. And so that is going to allow this to happen. And so the answer is yes. Uh, we're not ready to announce anything right now, um, but there are really big things that are coming on that, in that respect. Now, the second question you asked is how we're going to engage a community that just bought this asset, these assets, but can't do anything with it yet. And so the answer is, when by the time we drop the, the first crop of yearlings, um, we will have functionality in place that will allow you to um, pinhook, which is trade your horse in an active market uh, before they're raced. Um, and maybe I should explain that briefly. When a horse is... Before a horse is, is, is racing, when they're auctioned off, the only thing that defines their value is their bloodline. So people look at who the parents are and determine, <clears throat> do we think that this horse has a chance of being as good as their parents? Then once, once they're growing before they race, one of the most important things is their siblings. Most horses will have hundreds of older siblings that are just starting to race. And if those siblings win big races, the value of your horse goes up exponentially. So you could buy a horse at auction in the real world for $50,000. And if it has a sibling that just won a grade one race, your horse may be worth $500,000 the next day. That's what happens in the real world. And so it's a game of skill researching what's going on in the real world of horse racing. Who won a, a, a race that's a, a, a maiden race? And who's there? Do they have a sibling that was just born and sold at auction? You know? This kind of activity is going to happen in real time in our world over the first year. You're also going to get training data, workout data. Every time your horse is being trained, the owner publishes that data to the public databases. And we will push that to the ownership community. And so people will see that and people will be interested in buying your horse and the value of your horse will fluctuate based on how they're training. So that's going to create a lot of activity. And in addition to that, we're going to introduce syndication, which will start creating and forming micro communities. 
Um, so this is all going to take place in the first year, and that's going to drive a lot of activity. We're also going to educate, create lots of educational programs, um, bring into the metaverse databases that will allow you to do a lot of research and interaction. Um, so there's going to be a lot of action going on while we're building out all the functionality. And remember, your horse isn't racing for at least a year. And that will give us the time to build out and perfect and optimize all the technology that's driving the metaverse. Very cool, very cool. And, um, you know, talking about kind of real-time stuff, uh, I'm getting a few questions in the Fat Cats Cafe. They're asking, you know, what about death, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think I can answer that one, but, but how does death work in this situation? So this is a derivative metaverse uh, derived from the real world. Unfortunately, um, death is not avoidable. Um, a typical horse lives for up to 30 years. Uh, a horse can race for eight years from the age of two to the age of 10. And a horse can breed for most of their lives. So when you buy an NFT, that's a derivative of a real horse, you're buying an asset that has longevity. However, that horse can die and eventually will die. Now, if a horse dies on the track, it's required uh, that you report the death. Otherwise, uh, nobody knows if the horse is alive or not. The way we operate is we develop algorithms that monitor the activity of a horse. When was the last time a horse worked out? And was their data published? When was the last time a horse was scheduled to race? When was the last time a horse raced? When was the last time a horse bred a foal that was registered to race. And if a certain amount of time passes um, where no activity takes place, we deem the horse retired and we relegate the horse to a different area within the metaverse. And it is in that area that we will create utility for those assets. And one of the primary utilities for those assets will be a game similar to the games, to the player versus player betting games that exist in NFTs today. Uh, so the most famous one is Zedrun. Um, uh, to the extent you're familiar with, if you're not familiar with it, it's a game that operates like a sit and go poker tournament. When 12 people get together and agree to race for a certain stake, it might be $5. They start the race, they pull a slot machine, they use the information about the horse. In the case of Zedrun, they're fictional horses um, and an algorithm to determine who's gonna win and then they animate the race. And the prize money is paid to the three top winners. We will create track. Uh, we will give um, the community the opportunity to buy land and build tracks that they can sponsor races like that and use these legacy horses and their historical data um, uh, to race against each other in the afterlife. And so that's one of the utilities that you'll be able to have. And of course, these horses representing real horses will be collectible as well. We don't know what their value will be, um, but uh, we'll create utility for these horses in their afterlife. Okay, very cool. Um, my last question for you before we maybe take a few questions, and if you do have a question, please do raise your hand and we'll bring you up. Uh, or you can post to me again in Fat Cats Cafe. I'm watching that too. My last question is, um, you know, in addition to obviously creating a very kind of specific core game um, or, 
or mechanism, set of mechanisms uh, that kind of parallels the real world, you are, as you say, creating a large social enterprise, right? People can have estates and have parties and, you know, people that come to play together tend to hang together, right? So um, what do you expect to build out around the peripheral of this? Uh, you know, will you bring on other mini games? Will you bring on other social things? And also, do you expect to uh, kind of onboard other communities, make ways for their avatars to maybe come and be the guests at some of these events and so on? Mm. So you're, you're like way ahead of the game in terms of where we're, where we're thinking. Um, uh, these are all stuff that we're working on. I'll, um, so super insightful of you to ask these questions. Um, I'll answer the community question first. Um, a big part of our strategy is, is to invite communities, both virtual communities and real-world communities, to build out um, uh, farms and stables um, and racing teams in our metaverse. And we are, uh, I can tell you without disclosing anything um, specific, uh, we are engaged in discussions with prominent NFT communities that want to build and purchase land and build um, farms for their members to be able to come in and share in the experience of, you know, shared rooting uh, interest and excitement around their stable. So imagine um, if the fat cat community um, built, you know, if you had an estate and a farm in the, um, in the Silks metaverse where your members were all invested in the horses that you owned collectively. And think about the stickiness and the excitement of that community gathering in the estate um, and talking about and watching and experiencing the racing and the productivity of their horses and the earnings from that and the rewards collectively. We see that as a big part of our expansion. Uh, we see it both in the real world um, so we see companies that will want to build out their stables and their identities um, within our metaverse as well for their employees to hang out and enjoy uh, the camaraderie of owning these together and the excitement of rooting for them together and NFT communities and other virtual communities. Um, our direction socially, um, we see a future where um, we'll create venues for, for uh, meeting, we'll create new games, we'll create other social interaction. Um, we're building at the U.S. first, but the market overseas is massive between Hong Kong, China, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, uh, and the U.K. Um, we think that there's massive expansion opportunities there for the metaverse. Um, so we've got our hands full just in horse racing. Um, you know, what's interesting is our community, um, uh, we, we launched, you know, we came out of stealth mode 21 days ago, uh, Friday. So um, less than a month. Um, we've built a massive community that's growing organically, um, and it's just really interesting to see, you know, who these people are. People that are NFT enthusiasts, people that are horse racing enthusiasts that have never bought an NFT before, and you're just seeing the convergence of, you know, the real world, the virtual world, Web3, people that aren't familiar with what it's, – it's super exciting. And I'm sure, you know, I've looked at your platform. I think what you guys are doing is fascinating, um, and I'm sure you're experiencing the same kind of – um, uh, of, uh, of um, dynamics that we're seeing in our community. Yeah, excellent. And, you know, one thing I, I do want to comment on over here, because, you know, I, there are so many topics 
here that we could philo philosophize about for a couple of hours, but one of them that really kind of I, I loop about constantly when I look into metaverse platforms is the question of supply, right? Because on the one hand, you know, you want kind of the supply of items to be known or finite or something so that you can kind of calculate your value. But on the other hand, you don't want a game to get wrecked because it couldn't create any more assets and now no one could come in. And what I particularly like about this is you're being tied to, a, to real life scarcity, right? There are only so many tracks, there are only so many horses, they are recorded. And, you know, that creates a balance where there, there are new seasons, there are new horses being born. But at the same time, uh, as more and, more, more and more adoption comes, as you said, that parody should likely arrive whereby the prices go up and, you know, everyone is rewarded. New people can come in, but those who have been there early on will see an ecosystem blow up uh, and should see a lot of rewards despite supply growing as well. Yeah, I think, look, philosophically, and, and, and I'll take you up on that, we sh you know, I've got a whole list of topics that I think would fascinate people and bend minds left and right. Um, I think that as it relates to this project and, and your, your comment on supply, one of the unique things about a derivative metaverse is that uh, scarcity is organic. Rarity is organic. We are not creating contrived rarity in our horses. The rarity in our horses come from the fact that a mare can only produce a dozen horses in her lifetime and a stallion can produce 4,000 horses. And so rarity is <clears throat> the fact that you may have a one-of-one one, uh, NFT between uh, a natural mare and a natural stallion um, that will never be replicated again. Uh, rarity comes from the fact that your horse may have sold at auction at one year old in the real world for a million dollars. And out of the 20,000 horses sold, there were only 500 that achieved that level of value. That's rarity. Um, you know, in the NFT world, uh, most rarity comes from the fact that the creator decided, you know, we're going to give, you know, 1% uh, of these NFTs a specific attribute. Um, the problem with that is that they can pull any lever they want to um, they can increase uh, the quantity of tokens in their, in their uh, economy. They can increase the traits. They can do anything they want to to control it, just like a real government does to a real economy. We can't do that. We are limited to the number of horses that are actually born and registered in the real world. We can never produce more horses than that, right? And therefore, um, our economy is, is intri uh, intrinsically stable. Because we cannot deflate the value of our assets. Our DAO is essentially the economic foundation of our community. So it acts as a moat and creates the value. Somebody else can't come out and do the same thing we're doing because foundationally in a few years, we're theoretically could have a multi-billion dollar economy that essentially ensures the stability and structure of this gamified economy. You know, we're building real, even though they're gamified, we are building real economies that parallel real worlds and operate in the same way. And the only difference is we don't have a government that can whimsically decide, I'm going to print money and devalue the money and shift the wealth from one community to another. We can't do that, right? The Dow will ultimately control this economy. It will take time for them to gain control of it, but it will happen as 
they invest as more and more of these tokens are distributed through the productivity of their assets. Um, uh, but we're very unique in the sense that we have controls that truly ensure and provide security to the investors. Because really, when you buy an NFT in a project, you become an investor. You're not lining the pockets of the founders. The founders are the sponsors that together with you have an aligned interest in the future uh, productivity of the community. But that's what we're building. We're building community with shared incentives in the same way that you're doing it at Fat Cats uh, and in just a different way. Um, and so that really is, I think, what, uh, what creates you know, this, this unique economic foundation. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm a person, you know, kind of, I went out of my way to make a whitelist marketplace, for example, where people buy the whitelist they want, because I hate systems based on luck, because I'm not lucky, you know, all the money I've made has been spent on strategy. And, um, you know, as you've been talking, I'm thinking to myself, kind of reminiscing back when I was 16, and I made my first money trading commodities. And what I liked about commodities is it's, it's pretty much a similar concept, right? You're buying the derivatives on the commodity exchanges but they're derivative products of very real things going on in the world. So when I'm buying copper, I could do my research and base, you know, buy copper derivatives and options based on what's going on with supply and demand for copper. And it's a similar thing here. People who do want to take a deep dive and research horses and so on can, you know, yes, it's a high risk investment. Yes, you know, racing is difficult to predict. But, you know, there are people that spend their time doing a lot of research, working out, um, you know, which horses may do well. And, 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 and as you've mentioned, kind of hinted at a few times, you don't even have to get the horses that are going to win. Right. You can get the horses that have brothers and sisters that are doing really well, too. And that could be a speculatively high price as well. So I think that that's very cool. <clears throat> yeah, it's identical. And I can tell you this. I already can forecast that what's going to happen is the crypto community is going to, you know, engage very heavily with us. And then the horse community is going to look at this and say, that guy's sitting on a horse that's worth a lot more money than he's willing to take for it. Uh, and therefore, I'm going to go in and I'm going to correct the market. So we think the experts in the horse industry are going to come in and really help calibrate the market. And then those people that want to invest the time to really learn and play the game um, are going to be rewarded very richly. And, and eventually, over the long haul, we'll create a really big community of enthusiasts that are competing just like in, you know, any, in, 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 it's, a, it's really a, a dynasty fantasy league, so to speak, right? And, and the, the more invested you are in it, the closer you are um, to understanding, just like you understand copper or oil. Um, if you take the time to learn it, you're going to be rewarded for it. And this is a game of skill. There is luck involved just like there is in everything. Um, but uh, it's about being engaged and it's about being knowledgeable. Awesome. Um, now, the last question I see in, in my survey is, is there, uh, you know, do mayors or stallions have a kind of benefit, a, a bigger benefit, do either one of the genders have a bigger benefit in regards to rewards and stuff when it comes to breeding? That's a really good question. So in the real world, um, there are probably a few hundred stallions that are, um, you know, that are sought after, that demand incredible amounts of money. So, you know, a champion stallion can get hundreds of thousands of dollars a pop to breed with your mare. So if you happen to own one of those stallions, you own a horse that could be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It's the only sport where you can buy a horse for $100,000 
and in three years it could be worth $200 million if it wins a big graded race. Um, so on one hand, stallions are much more valuable because they can produce thousands of offspring, but there are fewer stallions that are desirable. On the other hand, a mare can produce much less, right? They can only produce um, you know, one horse a year, but there are a lot more mares in demand. You need 20,000 mares to produce 20,000 uh, foals a year, right? So there are, mares are more in demand. Stallions can produce a lot more. So there's a trade-off and we intend to distribute breeding fees based on that. So we expect that we will be distributing a larger allocation to mares than we will to the owners of the mares than we will to the owners of the stallions um, and uh, to, to reflect that. But if you, own a, if you own a mare and that mare doesn't race well, she still may be a breeding candidate. Whereas if a stallion, if a, if a horse, if a male horse uh, doesn't race well, um, their value goes to zero or almost to zero. That's the difference. And so it's a, it's a question of risk tolerance. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure if I, you know, I've got a few friends who are big acti breeders and they love to do all of these probability things, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure they would make some lovely complex algorithms for me on this. Um, okay. <laughs> Final thoughts. Um, is there anything you think we haven't touched on uh, kind of that we just want to poke up? Cause I, look, I know that we're going to have a lot of our members come and join your community and take a deeper dive uh, and, you know, kind of chew on a lot of these topics and maybe even come up with more ideas. But, um, you know, I think we've done a, a fairly good job uh, laying the foundations. Uh, do you think there's anything else we should be mentioning that we haven't yet? Um, I think that, you know, everything we talked about is very clearly documented in our white paper. And to the extent anybody in your community is interested in getting involved, I would highly encourage them to go to our website at silks.io and read the white paper. Um, I think that's the most informative document. You know, uh, there are so many projects out there and not every project is for everybody. Um, and I think the place to start to decide, is this something I want to get involved in, um, starts with the white paper. So um, I encourage that. We have a very vibrant Discord, um, uh, Discord community. Um, uh, that's a great place to get information. There are lots of AMAs that you can... Um, you know, that are recorded that you can watch that deliver more information. And um, yeah, that's, but we've covered a lot. I mean, there's, there's a lot more to cover, but we've covered a lot. And I think uh, enough to really give people a, a flavor for something that's really innovative and very different than anything that's out there right now. Um, and if it's, and if it sounds appealing, uh, I really would, you know, encourage you guys to, uh, um, to, to, to join our community and, and get involved because this is, this is 100% a community-driven project. Um, our success is all going to come from community engagement, um, uh, just like any good project will. Awesome, awesome. Um, and I just want to, before I forget, because I often do, Zion and Clevergill, please open a ticket afterwards and we'll get you a catalyst spot. Um, and then we're going to give KMKZ 50 catnip, as well as K4RM and Willow. Um, Awesome. Yeah, I, I think we have covered a lot. I guess, you know, what I sometimes worry about with some of the metaverse platforms is, um, you know, in, again, in your case, you've got real scarcity linked to the, to the world. But I wonder if, um, 
you know, in, in some of these cases, it may not be better to start with like one area that's developed, right? Like one flagship New York horse racing stadium or something in order to get that kind of critical mass of viewers and, and activity in, in a single space, right? And I, again, I'm just talking out loud over here. I'm not sure, but I, I, I have felt in some metaverses that it gets a little bit eerie, right? When, when there's only four people that show up and really there's 20,000 people online but they scattered all over the place. Yeah, we're going to create central zones um, uh, for social interaction early on in the metaverse. Um, and we're going to create tools that allow people to interact. Remember, a lot of this is transactional, right? So whether you're buying or selling a horse, whether you're syndicating your horse, or whether you're staking your horse in another person's farm or community, these are all transaction social socially driven, with the exception of trading, I think, socially driven transactional activities that are going to appear very early and be very centralized in our UI. And these are the kind of things that we're, you know, our development team is working on is, okay, what does our user interface look like? What does the user experience look like? How do people get information around what's going on in the industry? And the beauty of that, of that last piece is, you know, by building a derivative business, we're able to lever the hundreds of millions of dollars of content that are created every year around the world for this industry because every handicapper writing about a horse, every database out there showing you information about historical racing data, lifetime earnings, bloodlines, et cetera, every video clip of every race is relevant to every member of our community because they're tracking our assets. So we don't have to invest hundreds of millions of dollars to create this content. Sports is driven by two things. It's driven by content and it's driven by data. And the combination of content and data creates community. And it's very expensive in the real world to build out that content and data. And the beauty is we don't have to do it. Our community is gonna benefit from everything that already exists out there because everything that exists out there is relevant to us. And that's really a big, big factor that gives us a tremendous boost in being able to launch a startup that in a year to two years time can be as big as the real world, at least in terms of infrastructure and the kind of quality of things that we can deliver to make the game so compelling. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I think that's a great place to stop. Thank you so much, Dan. I mean, you've covered so much with us today. And, um, you know, thank you for being so articulate with these rather kind of can be difficult ideas, right? Because we're all philosopher kings at the moment. You know, we haven't had an opportunity to actually check out these places yet and kind of really ground ourselves into the virtual ground that will be the metaverse platforms. So I thank you so much for taking the time to unpack these ideas with me and the whole Silks community that have joined us today. Um, and for those who are not tired of listening to my voice, um, do please join me at 9 p.m. with WGMI, where we'll be hosting uh, the team from Indonesia of the blockbuster kind of comic book animation series coming out called Mindblown. Uh, that is expected to be uh, quite a riveting one. And, you know, Bento Boy and Kosher Blood will be joining us for that as well. So thank you again, everyone. And thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dylan, for hosting. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Cheers.